Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Quick Fix, a probing critique of modern behavioral psychology by journalist Jesse Singal. Published in 2021, this intriguing narrative explores the allure of pop psychology and the bold claims of TED Talks that champion the power of positive thinking and the profound impact of implicit bias. Yet, Singal uncovers that these compelling narratives may lack substantial evidence, reminding us of the complexity and nuance that truly govern human behavior. Author Jesse Single, known for his incisive commentary in New York Magazine, The New York Times, and The Atlantic, brings his expertise to his first book with a critical eye, fostering a healthy skepticism of oversimplified psychological solutions. Moreover, as the co-host of the acclaimed podcast Blocked and Reported, he is no stranger to dissecting the complexities of internet culture controversies. The Quick Fix is a must-read for those skeptical of modern psychology's easy answers. Individuals passionate about societal issues and the intricacies of human behavior or any curious mind that has ever been inspired or puzzled by a TED Talk. Join us as we uncover the depth beyond the surface of psychology's most viral ideas. The Quick Fix, Why Fad Psychology Can't Cure Our Social Ills. Introduction, Delving into Popular Psychology, Revealing the Impacts and Misconceptions. As listeners who are constantly searching for answers to better ourselves and the world around us, popular psychology has become a beacon of hope. It offers us simple solutions and powerful insights, or so it seems. But how often do we pause to consider the validity of these popular concepts that we eagerly adopt into our lives? The author takes a deep dive into the vibrant world of modern psychology, challenging the very foundation of widely accepted ideas that claim to solve complex societal issues like crime and inequality. With a critical eye, he dissects the root problems of psychological research that, once released into popular culture, become less about accuracy and more about virality. These concepts take on a life of their own, transforming into TED Talk staples or quick fixes that we all know and love. Yet, beneath their shiny surface lies a truth we must confront. Not all that glitters is gold in the realm of pop psychology. As we explore the critique laid before us, it becomes evident that embracing these pop psych solutions is not without consequence. They hold the power to mislead and, potentially, to cause damage under the guise of enlightenment. In this exploration, we will unveil the misunderstood dynamics that have influenced the trends in violent crime across the United States reasons to rethink how much weight we give to our subconscious biases, and the startling revelation that adopting a power pose may not actually imbue us with the confidence we seek. Join us as we journey through the enticing yet deceptive landscape of popular psychology, where we strive to separate fact from fiction and to understand the true impact of these concepts on our lives and society. Part 1 when psychology's mistakes shape society. Picture America in the 1990s. Headlines brimming with stories of juvenile delinquency 
as children alarmingly dipped their hands into violent crime. The public was horrified, experts weighed in, and the forecast was dire. Youth crime was not only a current blight but was set to worsen. Enter John Diulio, a political scientist from Princeton, whose term, Super Predators, set the stage for how we perceived young, violent criminals. These individuals, according to Diulio, were remorseless, lacking moral guidance, and were products of what he termed as moral poverty, upbringing bristling with abuse and dysfunction. The super predator theory suggested a grim choice rehabilitate them young or resort to incarceration. This concept caught on like wildfire, dominating public discourse and influencing policies. However, a critical flaw lay at the heart of this theory. It was fundamentally incorrect. Here's the key message flawed psychology can do real damage. Upon scrutiny, the super-predator theory crumbled, revealing other factors such as easier gun access and the crack cocaine epidemic as the actual drivers behind the spike in youth violence. The anticipated crime wave predicted by Diulio did not come to pass. Instead, youth crime began to decline in the early 90s. Yet, despite its poor foundation, the super-predator label stuck, primarily because it resonated with media narratives and was propagated by an authority figure. The lack of a precise definition for super-predator did not deter its acceptance. It was a compelling, scary story, a label easily slapped on complex social phenomena. Other experts remained silent or passive, allowing the super-predator myth to proliferate unchallenged. Its influence was so profound that many American states altered juvenile sentencing laws, facilitating the prosecution of young offenders as adults. This had devastating ramifications. Moreover, while Diulio's theory was not intentionally racial, it became implicitly so. The portrayal of super-predators often aligned with black youth, unintentionally magnifying existing racial prejudices, with the increase of what was perceived as black crime tied up with moral poverty, racial tensions heightened, fear grew, and stereotypes became more entrenched. This case highlights the destructive potential latent in psychological theories when they gain ground without adequate substantiation. It demonstrates how a singular misguided notion, once popularized, can mold policy, sway public opinion, and aggravate social divides, illustrating the importance of scrutinizing psychological concepts before they ripple through the fabric of society. Part 2. Examining the Foundations of Viral Psychology Trends In an era where TED Talks serve as the pulpit for modern wisdom, we often come across compelling ideas that promise to transform our lives with just a few simple tweaks. Amy Cuddy's 2012 TED Talk is a perfect illustration of this phenomenon. She claimed, bolstered by her study, that adopting certain power poses could profoundly affect a person's confidence levels and hormonal balance. The prospect was tantalizing. Stand like a superhero, and you might just begin to feel like one. But let's dissect the scientific validity of these claims. Here's the essential takeaway. Some popular psychology studies do not stand up to scientific scrutiny. 
When other researchers attempted to replicate Cuddy's findings on a larger scale, their outcomes starkly contrasted the original results. There was no evidence to support that power posing could manifestly affect behavior or bring about hormonal changes. In a candid turn of events, Dana Carney, a collaborator on the initial study, distanced herself from the concept in 2016, disowning the power pose's purported effects. Carney highlighted the probability that the original research employed p-hacking, a statistical manipulation prone to false positive results. The foundations of the power pose, it seems, might have been built on statistical sand, not the bedrock of empirical evidence. The unraveling of this study is a tale with several layers. It reveals the pressing need for more stringent research practices in psychology to ensure that studies can consciously counteract biases and avoid data manipulation. It emphasizes why reform in the field is overdue when it comes to the dissemination and replication of findings. Yet the question lingers. Why did the idea of the power pose strike such a resonant chord? Perhaps because it was presented by an established expert, fitting snugly within the narrative of individual empowerment that saturates self-help culture. There's a deeper layer, too, involving the issue's implications for gender equality. Cuddy's suggestion carried extra weight because it proposed a simple tool for women navigating male-dominated, academic or professional landscapes to assert themselves. Herein lies the allure. The power pose spoke of personal agency. Instead of tackling the gargantuan task of systemic change, it offered a shortcut. Change your stance, change your life. The sobering revelation from the power pose phenomenon is that psychology, too, is not immune to the lure of the quick fix. Yet as we've seen, quick fixes are hardly a substitute for thorough, reliable science and the slow, complex work of systemic reform. Part 3. Navigating the perils of one-size-fits-all psychological practices. Imagine the United States Army in 2007, confronting a tidal wave of mental health issues among its soldiers, particularly the looming shadow of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. This condition, as harrowing as it is prevalent, demanded a decisive response. Martin Seligman, noted for his work in positive psychology, stepped in to assist, resulting in the creation of the Comprehensive Soldier Fitness, CSF, program. The objective was clear, equip soldiers with mental resilience and optimism, creating a psychological armor against the rigors of service. The program rolled out ambitively and became an ingrained part of the military regimen, claiming a sizable chunk of the budget. Here's the crux of the matter. When organizations adopt ineffective psychological programs, more effective techniques get ignored. Alas, the promise of positive psychology as an antidote for PTSD hasn't borne fruit in this context. Rooted in a framework intended to ward off teenage depression, the leap to healing battle-scarred veterans seemed a stretch too far. It's a stark reminder that psychological interventions cannot be universally applied without considering the specific challenges and needs of the target group. Subsequent assessments, including a 2014 report from the Institute of Medicine, cast doubts on the CSF program's efficacy in managing PTSD. Why? Because alternative methods such as prolonged exposure therapy, which addresses the condition head-on, have consistently shown more promise than the resilience training advocated by the CSF. 
The adherence to this program by the Army, despite the lackluster evidence of its success, is emblematic of a larger issue. The attraction to solutions like Seligman's positive psychology, which neatly dovetail with the Army's ethos of self-improvement and determination, overshadow the need for evidence-based interventions. But positive psychology itself isn't condemned here. It's the misapplication of it without heed to its limitations that's concerning, particularly for an organization responsible for the well-being of so many. By funneling resources into an unproven program, other, potentially more successful treatments are being sidelined, treatments that could provide real help to those grappling with the horrors of trauma. This case illustrates the pitfalls of oversimplified psychological solutions when faced with multifaceted issues. Organizations, especially those like the Army, naturally gravitate towards optimistic and straightforward fixes. But when confronting multifaceted challenges such as PTSD, reality proves far more complex. The lesson is clear. In the realm of psychology, especially where it intersects with human suffering, one must be wary of seemingly golden panaceas that, in truth, glitter with fool's gold. Part 4. The Fallacy of Crediting Success to Single Traits In the quest to unravel the enigma of success, psychologists have long sought the golden trait that separates achievers from the rest. Angela Duckworth stirred the conversation with her emphasis on a singular attribute, grit. In her research, showcased in a 2013 TED Talk and a bestseller, Duckworth champions this mix of perseverance and passion as the cornerstone of success. According to her, grit is measurable, teachable, and the ultimate forecaster of triumph, especially in academics. Duckworth's theory of grit soared in popularity and began to shape our understanding of success. However, subsequent studies suggest that the grit theory might not be as robust as it initially appeared. The key takeaway here is, we often overrate the importance of individual behavior and characteristics. The allure of grit is understandable. It echoes the cherished narrative that with enough tenacity, anyone can climb the ladder of success. It upholds the American ethos that character is the bedrock of achievement and something that, ideally, should be cultivated from as early an age as possible. But here lies the twist. By the time children enter kindergarten, the dice have been heavily rolled by external factors such as their home environment and access to proper nutrition. Expecting schools to significantly reform a child's grit is as unreasonable as it is aspirational. Moreover, the notion of grit as the magic predictor of success doesn't sit well with the evidence. Take Duckworth's example of Cody, a young man from challenging circumstances who made it to MIT. Cody's story is presented as a testament to grit, but a deeper look reveals the integral role of a compassionate teacher who offered tangible support and encouragement. It raises the question, was it truly Cody's grit at play? Or was the influential presence of a caring mentor a more decisive factor? Success is a canvas painted by a myriad of strokes, not just the color of grit. To suggest that young people from disadvantaged backgrounds simply need more grit glosses over the systemic injustices and barriers they face. Rather than focusing solely on the individual, there is a broader conversation to be had about 
shaping a society that doesn't stack the deck so unfairly in the first place. The story of success is complex, with individual traits like grit playing only one role among countless others in the grand narrative. Part 5. The overemphasis on subconscious prejudice may distract from the bigger picture. In a society grappling with the specter of racism, a common refrain is the call to introspect on our subconscious prejudices. Through tools like the Implicit Association Test, IAT, promoted by no less than Harvard University, individuals and organizations alike can purportedly gauge their racial biases by simply partaking in an online reaction time assessment. Companies like Google and Starbucks have embraced the IAT, integrating it into their diversity training initiatives. The draw seems clear. Uncover the hidden biases of the mind, confront them, and pave the way for a more equitable society. But as inviting as this solution might seem, its scientific grounding is shaky. The main message here is, implicit racial bias is not as significant as you've been led to believe. Even the architects of the IAT acknowledge its shortcomings, notably its inconsistency and inability to predict someone's actions beyond the test environment. Why, then, does the notion of implicit bias command such attention? As we confront racial disparity, there's a danger in fixating on the undercurrents of our subconscious. The problem of racism runs far deeper, with explicit and deliberate discrimination casting a more definitive shadow over society. To truly address racial inequality, shouldn't the focus return to overt biases and systemic obstructions, rather than the murkier waters of the mind? Consider the Chicago Police Department's overt racism, where officers' derogatory language toward black individuals revealed a blatant disregard for decency. Such examples of prejudice need no intricate test algorithm to be laid bare. Stanford's Rob Willer concurs that implicit bias does exist, yet emphasizes that structural inequities, like the racial wealth divide or unequal educational opportunities, carry more weight in the equation of racial injustice in the United States. So while self-reflection on one's subconscious attitudes is not inherently detrimental, it alone is far from a panacea for societal woes. The infatuation with implicit bias is indicative of a broader pattern in psychology, a penchant for quick fixes that address the symptoms, not the underlying maladies of societal angst. Society's repeated fallacy is our penchant to be swayed by seductive yet half-baked psychological ideas, zealously applying them and often overlooking the contextual realities in the process. As we turn to the next segment, we will delve deeper into the challenges that modern psychology faces, exploring the chasm between its well-intentioned theories and the complexities of real-world application, while considering potential pathways to a more grounded and comprehensive psychological practice. Part 6. Strengthening Psychological Science Through Replication In the race to reach the pinnacle of academic success, Psychologists are acutely aware that publishing impactful findings is the golden ticket. Results that boast statistical significance, and even better, a narrative fit for media sensation, are especially coveted. But how does one consistently hit the mark of producing significant findings? Within the field, the practice of hidden flexibility is one way researchers arrive at this. 
By sifting through data with an exhaustive array of tests, they often stumble upon results that appear noteworthy, which can then be presented as the cornerstone of their studies. Another method is known as harking, short for hypothesizing after the results are known. This involves reframing the initial hypothesis if it doesn't yield the expected outcome, essentially retrofitting the theory to match the findings. However, for researchers committed to the integrity of their work, or those aiming to corroborate or contest others' studies, replication stands as the keystone of verification. The key point here is, psychologists should use replication to test the validity of a study. Replication entails repeating an experiment with new participants to validate the original findings. This process came under the spotlight with the scrutiny of Amy Cuddy's PowerPose research, where subsequent replication efforts failed to replicate the results. A similar fate met the concept of social priming, which claims that subtle exposure to stimuli can nudge behavior. John Barg's 1996 study, which involved terms associated with old age affecting participants' walking speed, lost credibility when replication attempts did not produce the same results. The psychology community is increasingly vocal about the importance of replication and the skepticism toward practices that could undermine the field's scientific standards. Alternative approaches, such as pre-registration of research plans and hypotheses, are gaining traction. This process, akin to placing a scientific wager, helps curb the temptation to manipulate data or switch theories midstream. There are signs of a new dawn, with what Brian Nosek, a psychologist at the forefront of research practice reform, calls a credibility revolution. This shift promises to enhance the robustness of psychological science, steering it towards a more reliable and verifiable future. Part 7. Nudging Toward Better Choices The Limits of Influential Psychology It's reassuring to know that not all concepts within psychology are controversial or unfounded. Indeed, some ideas have weathered scientific scrutiny with flair, like the concept of nudging, a favorite of former President Barack Obama and many others within policy circles. Nudging involves subtly guiding people's choices by altering their environment or the way options are laid out for them without eliminating freedom of choice. The key message here is, even when a psychology concept is valid, it's important not to exaggerate its usefulness. This notion of choice architecture, as it's sometimes called, has earned its stars in behavioral science, successfully prompting people to make better choices in a variety of settings. Displaying fruit at the front of a store or sending reminders for appointments are classic examples of nudges that have proven effective. However, nudging's true potency is not without limits. Predicting human behavior is akin to forecasting the weather. There's a degree of guesswork involved. While many nudges have yielded positive results, unpredictable outcomes remain a reality. For instance, efforts to boost organ donor rates through automatic enrollment backfired revealing a miscalculation of people's personal convictions about organ donation. Furthermore, an over-reliance on nudges can distract from larger-scale issues that require policy interventions. For example, if a government employs nudges to reduce soda consumption, they might neglect to address why unhealthy drinks dominate the market or why there aren't more accessible, healthy alternatives. Therein lies the conundrum. 
Nudging can be an excellent tool, but shouldn't overshadow the necessity for more systemic changes. In essence, while nudging offers a robust tool in the psychological toolkit, it is not a cure-all. Understanding its scope, along with acknowledging its limitations, helps to maintain a balanced view of its role in policy and public health efforts. Psychology can indeed make meaningful contributions to society, but only with a clear-eyed recognition of where its strengths lie and where its influence ends. Part 8. Embracing the Intricacies of Human Psychology and Societal Issues In the unsettling early days of the COVID-19 crisis, a commendable act of restraint came from within the field of psychology. Hans Eisenman and his team of researchers openly published a paper that took a stance against psychologists offering hasty insights during the pandemic. They recognized the potential pitfalls and limitations of their field, especially when it came to impacting policy during a global emergency, choosing caution over conjecture. This moment of reflection could serve as a model for the broader psychological community. It illustrates the importance of scientists being mindful of their influence on societal perceptions and the repercussions of oversimplified solutions. Here's the essence. Society needs to acknowledge the complexity of human behavior and stop searching for quick fixes. The allure of a simple, satisfying narrative is undeniably strong. Our brains gravitate towards clear-cut explanations and neat solutions, all underpinned by an eagerness to make sense of our chaotic world. The thought of abolishing ingrained issues like racism through the revelation and rectification of implicit biases is seductive. It has the makings of a perfect story. Psychologists, swayed by the same desire for clarity and impact, often cling to these narratives. The rewards of sticking to a compelling story are plenty. Media attention, increased funding, and the glittering stage of public speaking engagements. But the challenge of stepping back from the limelight to admit errors or reevaluate theories is significant. As society continues to navigate the complexities of human conduct and social dilemmas, psychology must strive for a cultural shift, one that champions comprehensive understanding over simplistic fixes. An appreciation for the multifaceted nature of human problems is crucial as they call for equally intricate solutions that go beyond the enticing yet elusive concept of the quick fix. In this acknowledgement, we foster a space for genuine psychological progress and, ultimately, more thoughtful approaches to the systemic issues that shape our world. Final Summary In our journey through the realm of modern psychology, we encounter a recurring theme the outsized influence of certain studies and theories that, despite their flaws, shape public opinion, inform policy, and embed themselves in the social fabric. The discernment of these ideas is paramount, as they have the power to mislead as much as they potentially enlighten. The takeaway is a call for vigilance and a critical eye towards oversimplified narratives and purported solutions within psychology. Rather than chasing after enticing yet unsubstantiated concepts, the focus must shift to addressing the systemic roots and complexities of societal issues. It's within the intricate interplay of structures and systems that meaningful progress lies, 
not solely on the shoulders of the individual. Recognizing the limits of individual behavior as a panacea is essential. The solutions to society's deep-seated problems are unlikely to be found in a one-size-fits-all psychological concept, no matter how palatable or widely accepted. It's in the thoughtful recalibration of our systems and policies and a willingness to embrace the intricacies of the human experience. That lasting change will emerge. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.